everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Law and Life Matters with South African Black Women in Law. I am your host, Ntabise Mutie, and today I am joined by Ntobi Sintin Koop. Wow, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasant pleasure being here. I appreciate being here and uh, thank you very much for having us as Amen. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Ntobisi. Um, so, you were born in the infamous part of KZN, in Ghana. Please tell us about your background. Who is Mutobisi? How did he grow up? What was inspiring him? What were his values as he was growing up? Yeah. I actually did not have quite a unique or interesting upbringing. I think I had just a normal life for any child you know, have, right? Um, I was actually born in the infamous part of KZN, the rural part of KZN, and where I actually grew up, um, it's pretty much uh, quite rural, you know, where you find there's no water and electricity, you know, you'd have your uh, um, your daily um, routine being going to the river, collecting water and coming back, so you could actually just survive the day uh, by conducting your daily needs, you know, using that water. And uh, in about 96, uh, my dad and my mom decided to relocate to come to Johannesburg to prepare us to actually attend school with my older brother. And um, at that point, um, I was only about two years, my brother was about four years, and uh, he started his schooling career, and uh, I followed right after him. Uh, we both attended uh, Yovo Boys Primary School, and uh, thereafter, um, uh, we went to high school, right? And um, yeah, um, thereafter, we had two siblings that were born right after us, so I'm born from uh, um, a family of four kids. Uh, three siblings, uh, I'm the fourth. And uh, yeah, I actually quite a, had an animal upbringing as a child. And yeah, I think there's nothing much to it besides just that. So let's talk about Mutobisi in school. What kind of um, student or other pupil were you? Who was Mutobisi at school? Uh, I was normally, I was not a very uh, normal child, but I was quite naughty in my way, especially. Um, I was one child who for school and um, mostly be found in the principal's office on most occasions, especially during my senior primary years. That is grade six and seven, right? Um, that is not one of the best um, years where I could actually was my best behavior, you know, but um, quite naughty. Um, but my naughtiness did not cause much harm to anybody. It was, I guess, it was just me just growing up every time and trying to explore certain things. Which somehow some backfired and got into a big, big trouble with my parents, but no harm or much harm was never done. You know? And uh, yeah, moving up to, to high school, um, got to high school at uh, King Edward and uh, had a very interesting um, high school uh, career. It was quite a great school to be at. Did a, a huge amount of sports and uh, participated in a great deal of. Uh, of all other activities. And I uh, got to metric, and my academics were quite on par, quite good, I would say. And at some point, I remember I was probably in the top two with performance, and when teachers would actually, or educators would actually think of who's going to have an interest in the school based on national level, what was me academically. But um, my metric exam came. And um, I think I had actually encapsulated it in my mind that, well, I'm going to study from my school class. And uh, I wrote the exams and thought to myself, oh, I've passed. 
I'm all good. And um, January came, it was normal. I woke up that one morning and uh, went to the petrol station to buy a newspaper. my name. Probably hoping I'd have a B next to it in the food distinction. Got there, a few of my friends were working there. And <laughs> so they told me, um, yeah, man, we've passed. Uh, you could check out your name. I saw Ntim, Ntim was sitting right in front of me in the exam room, and there was Mungo Yes behind me. So I was Ntim, Ntim, Mungo Yes, Ntim, Ntim, paper. What's going on? This must be a mistake. It must definitely be a mistake, right? So there's no way of filming the trick. And yeah, my dad ordered another newspaper because of that at work at the time, and he said, um, just go back home. Don't do anything stupid. Just go back home. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I just couldn't believe it. But uh, yeah, um, so I had failed my matric. Went back home. My dad was like, it's okay. It's fine. Um, you go back to school. Um, you're only 18. You have a whole life ahead of you. There's no rush. So go back to school. We're here. We're going to support you. And they're very supportive. You know, they're super, super supportive. And I'm so grateful to actually have parents and siblings that I have. You know, and uh, yeah. Went back to school and I actually got the distinctions that I've been anticipating to get. You know, got half distinctions and yeah, enrolled my LB right after that. Okay, <laughs> so just to backtrack a little bit, yeah. so you came from being um, a naughty kid in school, in yeah. primary school, and then you go to King Edward, which yeah. is a boys' school. Correct. Correct. And I mean, from what I know, my brother also went to a boys' school and it's very disciplined. And you sound like that kind of put you in that place to be disciplined. And then you're doing so well academically. And yeah. then what I, in matric, you're hit with failure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about failure. How did, I know you had great support, yeah. um, but how did it feel for you? How did you work through that for yourself? Mm. How did you work through the failure for yourself? Well, more than anything, it was, firstly, it was embarrassing, right? It was, yeah, heartbreaking for I think it actually hurt my friends more than it actually hurt me, you know, and I'm one who actually hates disappointing myself, and I felt that I really disappointed myself, right? Because I said goals myself, and for lack of a better word, I smashed my goals that I set. And it was, when it happened, that I, and the realization that came that I actually failed, and I need to sort out um, the failure so uh, I'd be able to actually proceed with my life. Because if I just decided to sort of like give up, mm-hmm. that would be the end of it, right? So what actually mattered to me the most was what am I going to be like in the next 10 years if I just decide to take everything away? Mm-hmm. So that's what mattered to me the most. And I thought I need to do what's right and um, for myself. Go back to school and deal with the failure. And uh, and it's actually a year that I just had to deal with the failure for. And that was basically. But it was not an easy thing to, to handle, I must say. You know, um, there's a lot of things and a lot of emotions go through your mind. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what to think, how to feel. But having the best support was really one of the best things that I've ever seen. Knowing what I really want myself. 
knew that I want to go into law school, study law, start from practice as an advocate. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I I have to commend like your focus because I'm I don't think I was that focused when I was in matric. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do, and I'm not sure that I would have had the same courage as yeah. you to be like, you know what, I failed, but there's a goal. So I think it's such an important message to send out yeah. that it's so important, yes, to have good support, but also to really know what it is you want to do. And I think sometimes we think it's it's impossible to already know who you are and know where you want to go when you're showing that you knew at that age and you went for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have to commend all of that bravery because, yeah, I don't know that I would have been that courageous. So you say you knew that you wanted to enroll for your LLB. At which point did you know that that's the route you wanted to take? Um, when I got to Patrick, I've always wanted to be an accountant. For the longest time, I had the goal and dream of being an accountant because I normally drive by, well, drive my dad, I could not drive at the time, but drive my dad past Ben City, which is SMB, the head office. And I'd see the surroundings of it, and I could just imagine that it's the financial experts that got this place where it is right now. And I want to contribute to making this place um, what it is and more, right? And one way that I had imagined. Being contributing to it was being an accountant, right? And hopefully contributing to FB. And um, got to a trick. I was like, no, accountants don't do enough for me. I hate numbers. I'm not good at numbers. So I'm going to just shift my roots and uh, try to find something else which is more aligned with what I enjoy, you know, which is obviously speaking and presenting, you know, and um, sort so of like tried. Finding a few things that I liked. I liked fashion at the time, I liked um, law at the time, and what made it easy uh, for me to lean towards law was because my neighbor was uh, a very junior and uh, young attorney, right? She was female, and I, was, I actually saw how well she was doing for herself, you know, and um, that drew my attention to the legal profession. And I actually worked with her for a good two weeks during. Uh, Recess in high school during winter recess, and uh, right after that, um, I had decided just kind of practice law, but just not being a attorney. Well, not take that team route. I'd like to take that advocacy route. Okay. Yeah. So, what did you know about the law, though? Because I found myself, um, you know, when we're trying to decide, <laughs> why am I going to study? Yeah. Ah, I want to be a lawyer. I'm like, yeah. I'm a lawyer, and wow. I, don't, I had no idea what it actually meant to be an actual either attorney advocate. I didn't know there was a difference between those two things. Yeah. I had no idea what it meant to... I thought the law was about people that go to jail, yeah. if I'm very honest. I don't know about criminals. You mean, yeah. where are criminals? And that's, that's, that's as far as I understood. So yes. what did you understand about the well, law? Well, I think for most of us, for, for the young age, that's what you think. People know lawyers to be some people that, nah, you know, mm. take, um, get in a lot of trouble, you know. Um, but for the longest time, I had thought that. I thought, geez, I'm going to be a lawyer. What am I going to do? Practice criminal law? I don't want to do that, right? So um, with me being exposed to this one attorney, um, which actually exposed me to a whole of the practice of law, which was first part of it was commercial law and uh, corporate law. And um, I figured, wow, it's actually not law, it's just um, criminal law. And um, also how entities operate within the scope of 
how each and everything in life incorporates law. Mm. It's so amazing for you. You can't do a single thing without any um, internet of law. You know, you could be buying a street the store, you do a contract law, right? You could be doing anything. It's, it's law, right? So law is basically just life. And what I knew at the time is that advocates are, are generally different to attorneys, right? Attorneys are general, uh, generally your first point of contact as a client, and uh, your your referral to an advocate could generally be just specialist. And I've always seen that advocates are specialists, the people who are, who are well equipped and trained in a, uh, a specialized field of litigation, right? So um, that's how I actually saw the difference and uh, thought, I wouldn't really want to be an attorney. I'd like to be an advocate, so uh, so actually be specialized and trained in uh, trained in that litigation. Okay. Yeah. Um. So let's go back. You finally get your distinctions. There you are. You enroll for your NLB. <laughs> um. Where did you study, and how was your varsity experience? Sure. Um. Right after varsity, well, after my matric, right. Um. I had applied it to be admitted at UJ, Endurance, and uh, UJ. And UJ was not very um, welcoming at the time. They, they had a, a huge amount of um, applicants, right? Mm-hmm. And there was so much competition going on. And um, due to space constraints, I was not admitted at UJ. Then I just decided to go to UISA, right? And at the time at UISA, it was very flexible, you know? It's, it was very easy for you to actually use focus because you're so independent and you're studying on the know, you know and yeah you do go to campus and meet up with uh, your fellow students but it's not as strict or as similar as if you're full-time students at traditional university mm. you know so it was quite difficult studying at UNISA I must say but it's if I could do it again I'd definitely do it again because I enjoyed my years of study at UNISA. Enrolled in 2015 and uh, um Right after that, um, I actually studied for a good four years and uh, completed a record time and graduated in 2019. You know, so yeah, it was it was an interesting journey. But I, you know, and it's not an easy task, <laughs> but I can tell you know I've always thought people would actually just over um, exaggerate that mm-hmm. it was such a difficult and hard thing to study. It is, you know, and you just need to put in the hours, put in the work. But it doesn't end it's just a bit of practice, mm-hmm. which is the hardest, you know. And for some point at some point I thought maybe they make this qualification so difficult because practice is just as difficult, you know. And yeah, you just need to never lose focus. What were your favorite modules? Oh, yes. First year probably. <laughs> <laughs> first year modules. <laughs> that's why that, that's why I've got all the distinctions. <laughs> Introduction to law, law, persons, family, you know, all those models. But what I enjoyed the most was uh, labor law. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed company law. I enjoyed uh, African customary law. I further also enjoyed um, constitutional law. Right? Um, fundamental rights because only because of the past papers. That's why I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> the past exams are sitting in a, in a manner which is easy to. Nobody can understand, right? And uh, those are my favorite models. 
And during your time at Vasti, were you, so obviously at UNISA, you're getting all this, I'm not going to say, okay, I think my perspective of UNISA is that it allows you to have a little bit of freedom to do whatever else you need to do on the side, whether you're working and all of that. Um, so did you do anything else? And if you did, how were you able to keep focused on your studies as well? Yeah. So actually, I uh, wasn't boy. Um, I got a job uh, in a commercial bank. And uh, I'm a full-time um, employment relationship I had. Uh, it took up most of my time, mm -hmm. right? So I'd get a, I'd get at home. This was from the start of 2016, into 2019. So I'd normally get home after work at like 5 o'clock. And from 7 o'clock, I'd usually start studying. So I'd be at home. And I'd get up in the morning at 6, go to gym, and go to work. But that would be basically my routine. On Saturdays, I'd probably just get a bit lazy, get up at nine and start studying. I didn't really have much of a life because of that, you know, because working and studying at the same time was um, quite demanding, I must say. And uh, one thing that actually made me want to work was because my dad has four kids, right? I'm the second born. I've got two siblings right after me. They also had to go to varsity um, at the similar time. The one thing that I wanted my dad to work for was just financial strain. And I thought, why not? I can, I'm in a position to get a job. Um, I'm able to, if I get this job, I can pay for my fees. I, I just uh, alleviate the financial burden that I'm probably um, on my own. And yeah, that's the reason why I essentially you know, uh, took the job instead of work. <laughs> it was difficult, um, waiting for it to and also trying to have a life. Because that's also often necessary for one to not just work, study, but also have you know a well-rounded life. But I didn't have much of that, much of that, but uh, I think I can always be that. You know, I work my boy. <laughs> I don't think I am. So yeah, so that's that is basically it. You know, and I don't think working did really, really hinder me on you know attaining my goal, which was getting my what would you say if you have to completely make a decision was your biggest challenge during that time in varsity what was your biggest challenge what could have thrown you completely off and yeah led to a failure or anything big i'm not sure if i should say it, but uh like Girls, right? Okay. So <laughs> that was one of what I liked at the time, you know. Um, I think that could have been um, one of my failures because um, being <laughs> in a, you know, trying to be in a relationship mm -hmm. <laughs> would take up most of your time, you know. Um, that could have been one of them. Okay, so the ladies were your biggest challenge. How did you deal with that challenge? <laughs> well, yes, they were, and um, I just got to a point where I had just to realize that. Um, if I spend much of my time um, with what I'm actually spending on, I might just get myself into trouble again. I might just have to face another failure. And that's something I just did not want. So I made a decision to just step back and uh, just focus on what was important at the time. Yes. Okay. So you're currently pursuing your pupillage. Um, please, will you explain to us that entire process? What goes into it? Sure, um, but I think more than anything, what is of importance before I actually get into 
what goes into the process is the build-up mm. to make that final decision of make up your mind of that. I want to become an advocate. I'd like to practice as an advocate. And um, you, how you actually get to make that decision. So I've been exposed quite a bit to a lot of attorneys, mm. right, throughout the course of my studies. And um, it has been my neighbor, and uh, it was quite recently my mentor, who was uh, my my shadow or mirror, who I normally look up to, and uh, sometimes do work with him. And I was not really um, quite keen with the practice of uh, being an attorney and, uh, you know, the daily um, um, routine and way of work. Um, and I had no idea what advocates generally do, right? But, um, I've always had a keen interest of actually just knowing what it is that they do. And I was exposed to them um, early last year, 2020, and um, had made a decision that I'm going to shadow one advocate and see that they get to see the work that they do. And right there and there, when I got into the chambers and I just felt at home, right, um, I thought that this is what I want to do. This is one thing that I just don't see myself not doing. And that was when I decided to take the decision. But before I even took the decision, I obviously sought advice, you know, sought advice, you know, um, from a host of legal practitioners. There was judges, there was attorneys, there was advocates, and a very close attorney I hold in high regard um, asked him, what do you think of the decision I'm about to make? He told me, I don't think that's a great decision to make, especially at your age. And especially at a very uh, junior and premature stage of your practice or your career, I think you should uh, just take the attorney route and later decide whether you want to be an advocate at that stage or not. And asked him why. He painted me a picture and said, You, 25 at the time, and um, you have never been an attorney. You basically don't know what goes into being an attorney and what goes into an attorney deciding why he wants to be with counsel or an advocate. And uh, he asked me to pick one of uh, the juniors in his, uh, in his firm, right? He said, um, pick anyone in your level that you think is in your level. I picked a CA, which was close to which works in the firm. And he said, Do you think that CA would actually be for you as an advocate? And he said, Do you think, um, pick another person? I picked another person. I picked um, an, an associate. He said, Do you think that associate would actually be for you as an advocate? Said to me, the third fact I can tell you, I'm not going to be. Yes, I agree. I close, I hold you, I hold you in close regard, but I will never be as a junior. You're way too junior for me, and I will never be. And uh, that took me back, and it made me want to really think about the decision of whether I really want to be an advocate or not, you know, because when you walk into chambers, you see how. Most chambers actually closed. How many chambers are empty? I think it would rather. Mm-hmm. Solely because most councils don't get work. Most councils go three months without being agreed. And the profession or rather the practice dries up. You know, and there's not much security into going to being an advocate because there's so much risk. And uh, you could easily work or you could not easily. But if you put in the work, be patient, it eventually gets well, it gets better. And 
But um, essentially, back to your question, <laughs> what made me, um, um, the, what, what the process really had to be in to apply uh, for the PPA to the GSA was just uh, my keen interest in being an advocate. And um, it's quite a very rigorous process. Because mm. you first obviously submit your application and um, you get called to interview. Sorry, just to interrupt you there. When you say submit your application, what goes into this application? Sure. So it's generally an application to get admitted into the PPH program. Okay. Right. So it's your reference letters, your academic record, your um, your details, you know, just your initial details, and mostly everything about you which is necessary for the part you know. Right. And um, as soon as you obviously compile the application, you just submit it to the bar and they generally get you fingertip. The bar. Who is the bar? <laughs> <laughs> Who is the bar? How do you know <laughs> where you're applying to? Um, yeah. Well, there's uh, 16 constituent bars in the country. Okay. Uh, the K bar, the Kudukana bar. So uh, we refer them to as bars. Mm-hmm. In essence, they call that whatever the jurisdiction is. The Johannesburg, we've got the Joburg Society of Advocates, we've got the Uruguayan and Joburg Society of, mm-hmm. Society of Advocates, and the uh, Pretoria Society of Advocates, you know, but, you know, we've got, each jurisdiction has its own uh, um, Society of Advocates, okay. and uh, we generally refer to them as bars, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, um, you generally complete your application, and uh, submit your pupillage application to the, I submitted mine to the Johannesburg Society of Advocates. Right. Right. Okay. So just, <laughs> just purely for jurisdiction, not yeah, okay. Purely that. I mean the more they even convenience and it's the best part. Okay. And uh yeah, it's the best part in the side of this year. That's the reason why. Um I chose to apply for the for the privilege of the Transfer Society of Advocates. And um yeah, that's the reason why, you know. And, just the practice and how well the advocates there do at the schooling that they give, you know, the training they give, it's the best, you know, mm-hmm. so that's the reason I had applied to them. But, um, and the whole effort goes into you putting that application together, submitting it to the Joker bar, thereafter you being called for an interview. Um, once you call in for the interview, um, it's quite daunting because... <laughs> You're obviously nervous that you've been called in for an interview, and um, you walk into the boardroom. There's about uh, senior, um, medium, um, well, medium junior, uh, senior juniors rather, advocates. There's junior advocates, about twelve people interviewing, and um, you walk in there. They ask you a whole lot of questions. Some you expected, some you did not expect, and uh, they consider a whole lot of things. It's not only about your academics. It's not only about uh, where you've previously uh, practiced, where you've previously been exposed to, it's a whole lot of things they consider. Your world, groundedness as a human being. Um, yeah, they consider a host of things, you know, but um, more predominantly, your academics should be on path. Your exposure to the legal profession must be there, right? Um, it's one of the few things that they consider. And yeah, I think I was fortunate enough and um, I met the criteria and I was admitted into the pupilist program. And <laughs> what was do you remember the toughest question you were asked in that interview? Ah uh, yes. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy question to answer because someone asked you why not have been an advocate? 
Mm. Right? <laughs> and the host of things coming to mind, you know, the money, because of the prestigious, because of the nobility of the profession. And uh, one question for me was that. Mm. That is the difficult question that I had to answer. How did you answer it? <laughs> well, I think it was quite easy for me to answer it because mm. I've always known why I want to be an advocate. You know, um, being in the front line of education, I see advocates, advocacy as a, as a means of transformation. You know, most of our nation's victories have been won through the practice mm. of advocacy. By the victories, I mean, um, if you think of the Stevens Union letter, you know, that was one letter that sounded like the death penalty. Mm. You know, if you think of the gay collusion in the form of AIDS, that's a, an extraordinary, extraordinary matter mm. that dealt with homosexuality in our country. That's a victory for the less marginalized people in our country. You know, if you think of um, primogenia, you know, um, think of most other things. Advocates are mostly in the front line of litigation and we litigate those matters, you know, to the fullest. It's a career of justice. Um, you have so much power in your hands to change the world, change the state of our country, and uh, I want to contribute to being that. Thank you. So please explain to us what do you do on the day-to-day -day as a people advocate? Mm. Right, so actually um, encapsulates quite a lot of, uh, I want to say, it actually encapsulates quite a lot um, that you need to get through it on a day, right? So it's a lot of reading, a lot of research, a lot of drafting, right? but it's essentially what it is that you require to do is firstly attend the lectures, which are provided by the Joint Society of Advocates, so you attend, you know, mostly lectures are in the morning or in the afternoon, right? So that's what we essentially do, and that is a curriculum that is carried out to successfully train you as an advocate. And uh, one thing that I, we normally do on a daily is um, obviously uh, go to chambers, because uh, you get allocated a mentor, and uh, you generally go to the chambers of your mentor, get to do some work with him, and uh, he generally trains you, or she trains you, to sort of like understand drafting, payment um, of costs, and response to things which are not taught during the, 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 the university mm -hmm. and, and the training. You know, and uh, most of the importance is the fees, man. You know, there's <laughs> <laughs> money. <yo. laughs> the fees part is quite interesting to look at because um, you get up your, your, your mental billing uh, uh, for a matter, right? And, um, when you bill as counsel, generally um, it's not the next day that you get paid. Um, mm -hmm. It could take up to three months, it could take up to six months, right? So whatever you have coming in, you just need to make sure that it will sustain you for a good while before you get anything else in. Um, advocates is not all sunshine and rainbows, you know. Um, yes, there's so much security, but there's also so there's so much required discipline in terms of financial. Um, Emotion, financial intelligence, you know, it requires you to be such a well rounded being you know, to survive in the profession. Yes. Okay, so you go to lectures and then what happens after lectures? So, what happens after lectures, you generally done for the day. Uh, you just have to obviously study on your own and uh, just uh, carry out and cover the curriculum that has been given by the bar to so you can successfully uh, complete the program. Okay.
Okay, and then you rewrite board exams, you write? Board exams. Okay, what, are, what do these exams entail? So they entail essentially, it's uh, generally um, uh, five exams, right? And uh, they're normally set by the GCB. And uh, they entail, uh, it's legal writing, civil procedure, criminal, it's for about the two. And uh, it entails about a mock exams. So um, you generally get to sit down for those exams before the end of the year, and uh, you need to. So, at the start of the year, you're just preparing to obviously be fit to write those exams. And uh, once that is done, you've passed, you can make an application to be admitted as, a, as an applicant. Do you think that one year is enough, is good enough preparation? I think it is. I think it is. I just think the day does not have enough hours, that's all, right? Um, but a year is more than enough. It's quite uh, more than enough. But uh, more than anything, we just never stop learning. You could be fully trained, but uh, as soon as you admit to and start your own practice, you need to learn more on your own, you know, from your counterparts, from the seniors, you know, etc. So the the privilege will give you the foundation, but uh, it's solely up to you to further equip yourself with it. But I think it is it's quite sufficient. Okay, so you are six months in. Yes. You're six months in. What's been the most important lesson that's been carrying you through the process right now? It's the end goal, right? So mm -hmm. it's the end goal, just realizing and knowing that at the end of it all, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And um, you can't drop the ball now. Because if you do, I'll just regret it. Yeah, so it's just that. It's just that. Yeah. And what, would you, what would you like to specialize in? Do you want to? Or you would have to. Um, my mentor, um, he's an attorney. He, right after did my LB, was like, can I be a television firm? He was like, no, go do your master's. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. And did my master's at UJ at 2020 in corporate law. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the only reason I chose corporate law is because undergrad LB did not expose me much to the full aspects of uh, corporate uh, law or company law. And uh, doing my master's just in a full and broad scale of uh, corporate law. And quite grateful to my mentor for suggesting that I do my, my master's. So, yes, I'd love to specialize in corporate, commercial, labor, and uh, general civil litigation. Okay, and you keep mentioning, I mean, for me, the whole time you're speaking, it's a lot, I'm hearing a lot of focus, a lot of really understanding who you are, where you need to go. So let's say the next five years, where do you see yourself? I think for the next five years, I just um, want to be, um, we've contributed so much to the world activity, right? I want to put, um, yeah, like we have made a difference, right? So, and yeah, just so I, not because of our practice, but um, be successful in your practice so. Okay. Um, please, will you give aspiring legal practitioners some advice? Well, yeah, I'm curious. Like, university, I think the one thing they should um, really focus on is just stay focused and really study hard. You know, and um, make the right decisions at the right time at the most heaviest and convenient time. Because um, it's quite easy to make. The legal profession is quite, it's lengthy, right? You could make the wrong decision at the start of the year, but it will take you a year or two to rectify that decision, right? So if you want to do something, think about it thoroughly, 
decision um, without having a possibility to regret it. So study hard, work hard, and always be um, wary of the decision that you're going to make related to your decision. What is the best case, or is it judgment that you have ever read? Oh, so many. Sure. Just like one. <laughs> so many. Ah. One that you think everybody else should read and at least should know about. So Jesus. I'm going to go for the root of judgment. Root versus the most of all Okay. What that judgment entailed, it's a refugee matter, mm -hmm. but it entailed was Root um, uh, was it, uh, a foreigner from Rwanda. He came to the Republic, um, uh, obviously fearing persecution. He ran away from political um, um, intimidation. He feared for his life, came to the country, to the Republic. He didn't have the legitimate papers, he was arrested, and um, Faced the possibility of being deported back to his home country where he would face the possibility of death. But um, his attorney um, defended his deportation, defended his uh, arrest, defended um, his um, detention, in that if he was deported back to his home country, he would be uh, persecuted and he'd be possibly killed. Uh, the sole reason and the essence behind that was that Mr. Ruta had applied for an assailant's permit. Which actually allowed him to be within the country. And um, he had, had actually invaded the intention to apply for the same, but let me start So, at the time uh, his, of his arrest, he had not uh, been uh, issued the permit. Yes. And uh, when uh, he invaded, when he was arrested, he invaded the, the intention to apply for uh, an asylum seeker's permit. And uh, the Minister of Home Affairs denied him that thereafter. Um, Another one which was quite interesting is the uh, the state versus Oscar Pistorius, mm. the Supreme, uh, Supreme Court of Appeal, mm. where uh, Justice Beach overturned uh, Justice Masipa's judgment on the uh, matter of law, mm. on uh, the most popular and uh, well known case, uh, mm. which was based on the Jones. I think that was also quite an interesting case for me. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed um, this conversation and getting so, yeah. to know you. Um, please share with us your social media handles where people can find you and learn from you. Sure. Uh, I'm not quite active on social media, but uh, I'm on Instagram. Okay. It's um, tix underscore m. And uh, Twitter, it's uh, the same handle, which is tix underscore m. Spelled M-T-H-I-K-S underscore m. Those are the two platforms. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to our viewers for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. And please follow us and find us on all our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn as South African Black Woman in Law, Sabul, um, Instagram at Sabul Alumni, Twitter Sabul A. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>